From Schwartz Media, I'm Elizabeth Kulas. This is 7am. As Scott Morrison finishes his first overseas trip since winning the election, there are worrying signs for the economy and for press freedom. Paul Bongiorno on interest rates, AFP raids and Christina Keneally's new responsibilities. I'm ready when you're ready. All right, so... Paul, Buckingham Palace this week? Yes, Buckingham Palace, Elizabeth. Paul Bongiorno is a columnist for the Saturday paper. This is in many ways the mecca for Australian Prime Ministers to meet their monarch. Scott Morrison, no exception, he and his wife, Jenny. I think they were both a bit overwhelmed because as soon as Mrs Morrison entered the room, she curtsied. Prime Minister of Australia and Mrs Morrison, your majesty. Uh, And when the Queen then came over, she curtsied again and Mr Morrison gave one of those profoundly deep bows as he shook the monarch's hand. Very nice to see you. Thank you. I have to tell you, which I noticed when I was looking at the pictures, that in the grate of this part of it was an antique electric two-bar heater. It wasn't turned on, but it didn't matter. Mr Morrison made up for that with a very warm presentation to the Queen of a biography of Winks. Winks, greatest of all racehorses. Mr Morrison, certainly aware that the Queen is an equine tragic. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so this followed a visit to the Solomon Islands. How was Morrison's trip going before he got to Buckingham Palace? Well, I'd have to say he went pretty well and he got a very warm reception in the Solomon Islands, not hard to explain because he came with an Australian grant of $250 million. He said that this was to help them achieve independent sovereignty and independent economic sustainability. Well, look, this can really only mean independent of China. And there's no doubt that this is at the encouragement of the United States, which wants Australia to step up its role in its own neighbourhood in countering the influence of China. And Australia realises that uh, that it just can't turn its back on its near neighbours and allow China to extend its hegemony. So Morrison was um, well received there. And I think he did achieve what he came to achieve, that is to show that Australia is now taking notice. It knows that you're there. Mm. Okay. And while um, while Morrison's abroad, what's happening here at home? Well, here at home, the big news of the week. On Tuesday, the Reserve Bank moved interest rates. That's the the rate at which the Reserve Bank charges the uh, retail banks for money. It moved it down to 1.5% the lowest on record. Now, during the global financial crisis 10 years ago, the emergency level of 3% was thought to be pretty extraordinary. Now we're half of that at 1.5%. And some will remember that uh, even during the GFC, when the Liberals were in opposition, they criticised the government for having to have interest rates at this emergency level. Well, now we could, we could say if that was an emergency, this is, well, what, close to a catastrophe? And what does this mean for the economy? I mean, obviously, it's not a great outlook. Well, 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 it's not, although interesting here, the Reserve Bank Governor, Philip Lowe, he says the decision doesn't reflect a weaker outlook. Frankly, if you translate this, it can only mean a sluggish economy needs stimulating. And the Reserve Bank Governor had a warning yet again to the government that it would have to do more. It would have to play its part, bring forward the massive infrastructure spending and look at encouraging wage growth. 
And what about Lowe's call for that infrastructure spending to be brought forward? Where is the Treasury, Josh Frydenberg, on that? Well, well, he's made it quite clear in a couple of interviews, but in a key one with Laura Tingle, she put this to him and he said, oh, well, we've got $100 billion out there for infrastructure over 10 years. She said, yes, but when are you going to spend it? He said, well, we'll spend it in the, in the forward estimates, that is over the next four years. And of course, they won't be bringing it forward because with the low economic growth, with the sluggish economy, there's only one way he could bring it forward and that is to go into deficit. And how likely is it that the government is going to do just that? Well, most economists say to achieve that would now require another of Scott Morrison's miracles, that we would return to budget surplus next year and for the four years after that. Now, of course, there are many in Labor who believe and who are quite angry, really, that Bill Shorten and his Treasury spokesman, Chris Bowen, didn't nail the government for saying, right, you're promising a surplus next year, but you promised one for every year for the past six and you didn't deliver. So we do know that the political heat is really on the Morrison government now. If they don't achieve a budget surplus next year, their credibility will be in tatters. So he's basically got a choice to make and at this point he's committing to delivering that surplus. He's he's committing to uh, political optics. (laughs) Okay. And how is the new Shadow Treasurer Jim Chalmers faring through this first couple of weeks? Well, Chalmers this week in dismissing both the optimistic gloss of Governor Lowe and then the persistent claims of the government about a strong economy. He said, look, there's weakness as far as the eyes can see. There's stagnant wages, weak consumption, underemployment, job insecurity, and they're all feeding into the broader economy. And the national accounts all show that Chalmers' claim is just telling it as it is. And while all of this was happening, Paul, the AFP were arriving at an apartment in Canberra. Yes, in many ways, this was a more disturbing element of the week. Uh, We, after all, like to pride ourselves that we live in a democracy and the cornerstone of any democracy is freedom of the press. And what we saw 15 days after an election, Australian federal police agents raid the Canberra apartment of Annika Smithhurst, who's the senior political correspondent for the News Corp uh, tabloids, particularly the Herald Sun in Melbourne. And the next day, if the Smithhurst raid wasn't disturbing enough, Australian federal police agents raided the ABC headquarters in Ultimo in Sydney. We'll be right back. The Every Moment Matters campaign provides accurate, evidence-based information and advice about alcohol, pregnancy and breastfeeding. It has been created by the Foundation for Alcohol Research and Education and endorsed and funded by the Australian Government. Alcohol use during pregnancy can lead to Fetal Alcohol Spectrum Disorder, or FASD, a lifelong disability. So make the moment you start trying the moment to stop drinking. Visit everymomentmatters.org.au to find out more. As a a 7am listener, you're already familiar with many of the journalists who work for The Saturday Paper. For a limited time, subscribe to Australia's leading independent news source, The Saturday Paper, and you'll receive The Saturday Paper's stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. Paul, when the AFP arrive at Annika Smithhurst's home on Tuesday, what are they looking for? 
Chi wrote 14 months ago a piece that was a front page story in the Sunday Murdoch tabloids which showed that there'd been discussions at the highest levels within two key government departments that the Australian Signals Directorate should be able to spy on Australians without a warrant. Well, it's clear from explanations given, for example, by the Attorney General that they were looking for evidence for clues on who showed Annika Smethurst the documents that showed that these discussions indeed were going on uh, within uh, the government. So you had seven agents spending seven and a half hours and uh, Smethurst herself put on uh, Twitter, she took a picture of the agents looking in her oven. They looked through her cookbooks. They looked through her wardrobe. They looked through her underwear. So it was a completely invasive raid looking for this information. And then, Paul, the next day, similar raids at the ABC in Sydney. Yes. Again, about seven agents turned up at the uh, ABC headquarters, but they they spent um, seven to eight hours going through the files that were given to the ABC and that two of their key investigative reporters, Dan Oakes and Sam Clark, worked on on the clandestine operations of our special forces in Afghanistan. The most disturbing included an episode where our troops killed unarmed men and children. There are six AFP officers and about four ABC lawyers. They have downloaded 9,214 documents. I counted them. And the fact that this was done... 10 days, two weeks after an election is absolutely outrageous. I know people think, oh, journalists, what's that matter? This is really important. To have a warrant executed on the headquarters of the national public broadcaster in this way, I can't state it enough, is an unwelcome development. It is really serious and we take it very, very seriously. This, of course, um, caused an enormous when the ABC reported it through its Four Corners programs uh, back in 2017. Again, look at the timeline, 2017. It's now 2019. So this raises questions of the timing and also the motivation. There's no doubt, as Senator Patrick says and others have pointed out, including the President of the Parliamentary Press Gallery Committee, that this is to intimidate journalists and to send a very strong message to public servants that if they want to blow the whistle, the whistle will be blown on them. And how has Labor responded to this? Well, interestingly, Labor always is wary of being wedged on on issues of uh, national security. If they raise anything, they're immediately accused of being weak. So when the um, initial reports came out, Labor and Christina Keneally, now the Shadow Minister for Home Affairs, wanted to know more. But by Wednesday, the new opposition leader, Anthony Albanese, was demanding a briefing from the government on the raids. Albanese said in several interviews, it's quite frankly, bloody outrageous. He said democracies rely on the freedom of the press and Smethurst was a serious professional journalist who he respects. In fact, he said the whole thing was extraordinary. Hmm. And and just on Christina Keneally, who has newly been given this shadow responsibility for home affairs in Albanese's cabinet, how has she handled this week? Well, it's, it's quite interesting. There is a view in the Labor Party that uh, Anthony Albanese gave 
Keneally home affairs uh, as a way of sidelining a rival. But Albanese, he's given Christina Keneally, who is a high-profile and competent uh, performer, this portfolio precisely because in the view of Labour, but not only of Labour, of others, in fact, Peter Dutton has been an incompetent minister, that the giant department that he runs now, the Department of Home Affairs, is a shambles. It has budget overruns. It's had high-profile resignations. In fact, public servants, past and present, have already been talking. Keneally will, will definitely be a receptive ear. And do you think Albanese's sort of got Keneally in his mind as something of a secret weapon? I mean, she played... Uh, a pretty a pretty good role on Bill Shorten's bus during the campaign. <laughs> yes, yeah, she certainly did, and Shorten used her as his attack dog. Not so secret. She was pretty high profile about it. I guess she's the iron fist in the, the velvet glove. One thing about her is because she's something of a darling of the media because she's such a, a, a you know a good media performer, and uh, she all, also has very good ins with the Murdoch conglomerate, if I could put it that way. Paul, where does Morrison end up the week? Well, I think he ends up the week uh, rather badly on two counts. Whatever successes he gets from rubbing shoulders with world leaders and in our neighbourhood, in our Pacific family, back at home, the key claim for economic competence and a strong economy have been undermined by the facts. There's been a brutal reality check on that front. And on the second front, here we have two and a half weeks after a federal election, at the very least images of an authoritarian government at work. So you'd have to say it's been a very bad week for the Morrison government. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Elizabeth. Bye. Sydney Dance Company explodes on stage with Memento. This world premiere by acclaimed choreographer Raphael Bonicella is unmissable contemporary dance. Strictly limited season from the 28th of May to the 8th of June. Book now at sydneydancecompany.com. Elsewhere in the news, Cardinal George Pell's appeal hearing finished in Melbourne yesterday afternoon. The appeal hinges on whether or not the jury that convicted Pell could really have been without doubt, and whether the evidence against him should be regarded as improbable. A decision in the case is expected to be returned in the coming weeks. Cardinal Pell is serving a six-year prison term for historic child sex offences. And at a press conference in Canberra, acting AFP Commissioner Neil Gagan revealed that over a year ago, police alerted the Coalition to their plans to investigate the leaking of sensitive material. He denied, however, that the government had been informed of any further developments in the lead-up to the two raids that occurred this week. Mr Gagan also raised the possibility of additional raids on media organisations in the coming weeks. This is 7am. I'm Elizabeth Kulas. We'll be off for the Queen's birthday holiday, so see you Tuesday. <laughs>